Hi everyone, this episode is part of a series with educators from Fond du Lac School District in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I've interviewed educators across administration, building coaches, and the classroom to help you gain some insights on the roles educators have when a district is implementing UDL. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to UDL in 15 Minutes, where educators discuss their experiences with UDL. I'm Louie Lord Nelson, UDL author and leader. Today I'm talking with Shannon Schultz, who's a special education instructional coach in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Today, Shannon is going to talk about the district's UDL readiness rubric and the use of data in classrooms. Hi, Shannon, it's good to see you. Hi, thank you for having me. So first off, can you tell us about your education and teaching background? Sure. I just completed my 23rd year as an educator. Wow. Uh, I have spent 14 of those years in special education, integrated type teacher position, and then moved into the instructional coaching capacity in 2011. Initially, when I moved into that instructional coaching capacity, we were assigned as coaches based on, I would say, areas of specialty. So my quote area of specialty was autism. So I supported teachers who served our students identified with autism. Uh, as time went on, we morphed into cross-categorical roles and more inclusive roles. So I became known as what's now a special education instructional coach with my emphasis really being on UDL. Nice, nice. So when I talked with Katie Motor, she mentioned that the district's readiness rubric focused on UDL. And I'd love it if you could give some background to that rubric, like how and why that was created. Sure. So to give you a very brief background on how, how did we even get this UDL stuff in Fond du Lac, it was back in the spring of 2016. Two members from CAST organization came to Wisconsin and trained the 20 largest school districts or, or members from the 20 largest school districts on UDL. Uh, originally, Fond du Lac did not make the cut, so to speak, as we were not one of the largest uh, 20 districts within the state. However, due to a community not being ready to commit, we then got to enter into that training, uh, which has taken us through this time today. So originally, as I said, we were two of us from our district were trained by two cast members and at that time, it was our uh, responsibility to bring back our learning to our district level coaching team and administrators for the curriculum and the people services departments. From there, we participated in Wisconsin's Department of Public Instructions, what they call trials. So if you implement UDL, uh, you have a starting point, you implement, then how did your students end? And we, we progressed in this way for, I would say, the first two school years that we were working on the, the grant work of UDL implementation. And about, well, it was in the spring then of 2017, 
we thought to ourselves, okay, how can we streamline this? How can we make decisions that aren't just, oh, I think that school A will be great to work uh, with our work on UDL implementation. So instead of just making decisions that were just gut-based decisions, I would say, we created what we call our UDL readiness rubric. And on that rubric, we have four categories. We have the category of principal support. Then what we have is listed evidence of their commitment, such as are they willing to designate professional development time outside of the school day? Will they participate in that professional development with their staff? Will they designate their PLC time and PLC meaning professional learning community? Um, some schools may call it grade level collaboration. Are the principals willing to designate that PLC time to reviewing their data discussing their instruction and as well as students response to instruction and how are they willing to hold their staff accountable for this implementation. So from there, then we broke that into, okay, four points would indicate all four commitments are in place, three points, three, two, and then one. Fine. Then we have the next category would be what we would describe as teacher support. And again, we described what commitments by the teachers of the buildings. So one commitment would be our general education teachers believe that an inclusive environment is what is best for all students. Another commitment would be our special education teachers believe that an inclusive environment is what is best for all students. Another would be teachers understand that a one-size-fits-all lesson plan is not an option in 21st century classrooms. And then finally, teachers are willing to explore and implement new strategies to support student learning. And again, we just, we made those, uh, the scale being, okay, all four commitments are in place, three, two, and one. We then wanted to look at teacher retention in Wisconsin, in 2011, we saw a shift in our state level educational policy, which since 2011 has led to a declining number of teachers, meaning students who are going into college to become teachers, as well as teachers who are leaving the profession. So one of the things we wanted to make sure when we were looking at this readiness rubric is, does a particular school have, and then again, we broke it down into the four quadrants, four points, three, two, and one. 90 to 100% of their teachers are returning teachers. Then the three point category would be 80 to 89. Our concern was, is that if a building has been undergoing staff turnover, that that lends itself to issues in which they would not be able to take on this new learning. So we felt that was important as indicated in the rubric. And then finally, we have what we described as other building initiatives. I mean, I can definitely describe this further as we talk about uh, professional development. We want to make sure that staff understand that UDL isn't one more thing that they're headed to their plate. We want them to see that it's really, it's about a framework that brings all of the great things that they're doing, but it brings UDL to the forefront so that they're pl mindfully planning around those barriers to student achievement and addressing them so that when those students enter that classroom, 
oh, uh, the barriers have been removed and we can move forward with high student engagement and student learning. Some of our schools, for example, maybe had been participating in trauma-sensitive training. Other schools were involved in other initiatives. So we wanted to make sure that when we worked with a school that UDL was their priority so that they could move forward with that professional development and working with the instructional coaching team to grow that uh, knowledge and skills and implementation. Nice. I, first of all, really love the fact that in the course of speaking with several people now from Fond du Lac, every single one of you have said, UDL isn't one more thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is definitely a theme that you all have said. And I think it's wonderful because that is the message that those of us who are passionate about UDL and are helping to spread that message uh, talk about. That it's a framework, everything fits with and connects to UDL and then with other with other structures and frameworks and features. So that's just so key and so important. I absolutely love this readiness rubric and how you all thought through the principal supports, teacher support, teacher retention, because that is so key. Um, And then those other building initiatives and recognizing that there has to be that conscious connection that's so absolutely so valuable. So I know that you constructed this rubric from experiences. And also you have some experiences that came from using the rubric. (laughs) Could you talk about Mm -hmm. both of those? (laughs) Sure. So I would say that prior to using the rubric, as I shared, we were making decisions on, on instructional coach collaboration with a building, with a principal, based on guess what I would describe as, oh, do you have a good relationship with the staff or this principal? And yeah, I do. I think this will be great. But we weren't really looking into all four of those pieces. And what we found then is that when we didn't look at all four of those pieces, our implementation just didn't go as well as it could have. And, and I, so I would describe that as our old learning curve that over time, since we began this implementation to where we are at present, we've improved so much by just being more clear with, yes, you are ready or no, you might want to have what we call a sprinkling, maybe being okay. Your instructional coaches will provide just a very brief overview of UDL before we take that deeper dive into what UDL actually is. And so I guess I would say that the rubric has really helped to clarify with all stakeholders, whether again, the principal, the staff, even an analysis coaches, this is what this really means and entails. As we began using the rubric and as we worked through the implementation process, one success story, and I would describe that as being during the 2019-2020 school year, pre-COVID, we had began working with Chagwin School, and they had met the criteria on the rubric, their principal was on board, staff was on board, we had monthly professional development, we were highly invested within their grade level PLCs. Things went amazing until March of 2020 when we were all sent home. So what did we learn from that? 
well, we learned we don't like living through pandemics, but what we also learned is that, okay, we knew we had unfinished business. We had this great pathway and we were working and, and growing as, as an educational community at Chegwin School. So we knew we had to pick up where we left off. So what we did then is then when 2020, 2021, when that new school year arrived, we recommitted ourselves with that school, with that leadership, with that staff to pick up where we left off. Reviewing beginning in September and again, working through those PD sessions each month. Of course, um, the 2020, 2021 school year dealt us a number of challenges as related to the pandemic. However, we found that by implementing UDL the previous school year and then continuing our work during that 2020-21 uh, school year, our staff felt so much more confident in their ability to navigate a hybrid learning environment <laughs> in which some students were physically at school while some students were at home to a full transition back in which all of our students returned to our schools in February of 2021. And again, to have that background with UDL the previous school year and then pick up knowing COVID dealt us something that the world wasn't prepared for. And we learned how valuable UDL is and it taught us too, this isn't a one year and done deal. We really have to be committed year after year. Yes, a school may not need as much of us, us being the, the coaches uh, as a first year implementation school. However, we can't just leave a school, check it off and, and you're done. We might pull back on that support as far as from at a district level. However, we are still committed. We are still looking at our, our grade level team meetings with the data-based lens. We are still providing those uh, options for professional development outside of the school day, uh, et cetera. Well, I love that you just said database lens because that's a really good segue for my next oh, question. Okay. <laughs> so with a database question that I have, mm -hmm. I know that you collect data at the classroom and school mm -hmm. and district level, mm -hmm. but can you talk a little bit about the classroom level and how those data are used in relation to this UDL framework work that you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, so each of our schools have what we call our PLC time. So we have committed as a district to engaging in grade level collaboration each week. So one day of the week, it is focused on literacy and another day it is focused on math. So each grade level team consists of the general education, the classroom teachers, as well as any special educators or teachers of English language learners or any other specialists that might be invested with students at that grade level. So each of the grade level teams meets, like I said, once a week, once for literacy and once for math. During those meetings, a, a team leader at the grade level facilitates the discussion based on Rick DeForest PLC questions. One, what do we want our students to know? So during that portion of the discussion, we talk about where we are within the math unit and or the literacy unit of study. Okay, so one, what do we want our students to learn? We identify the standard that we're going to focus on within that weekly timeframe. Okay, during this week, we will work on the standard of 
identifying character traits. Okay, then we talk about for question number two, how will we know they know? So we talk about, okay, we know we want our students to be proficient at this standard. Ultimately, how are we going to measure that? And this is where our UDL implementation work has really helped us to grow as we measure uh, our students' learning. Uh, in the past, we might have said, okay, here's a piece of paper and a pencil and, and write down everything you know about this character from this story. No, we now know that some kids, if you stick a pencil and paper in front of them, they might look at you with a... Uh, uh, yeah. Not doing this type of look. So our UDL implementation with this with schools and those particular educators uh, that allows us to see that you know what there is more than one way to measure whether a student knows what we want them to know. So that uh, our common formative assessments have morphed from simply paper pencil to to kids recording on a flip grid from kids who are who enjoy drawing to they may create an illustration and then share with their teacher. Oh, I drew this because I wanted you to see that the character is such and such a way. Okay, so one again, that first question being, what do we want our students to know? The second being, how will we know if they know? Third, what do we do if they don't know? Okay, now that's a little bit on the Hmm. On the reactive side, we might think. However, our reality is that we may not get 100% proficient on that first try. So what we come back to the table and say, okay, each of those classroom teachers would indicate, okay, I had X number or X percent of students who were proficient. Oh, this uh, percent, we might describe them as a proficiency event too. They're approaching it. They just still need that little bit of teacher support. And then the, this number or this percent of students are at a proficiency level of a level one, meaning they need a lot of teacher support yet. So again, the creativity that teachers bring to the table when they've worked and learned and understand UDL allows us to say, have you thought about trying this? Mm -hmm. Have you try, thought about trying that? So we can then, even though it, it may seem reactive, like I said, that's our reality. It's not everyone achieves uh, that proficiency level that we might want on the first try. So we can then say, oh, but I tried this. Why don't you try that? Right. Well, so it's that's, a, that's that. what, how formative is defined, right? It's iterative. Right, right. <laughs> so you guys are living it. It's perfect. Yes. And then that fourth question, and boy, as this, as a special educator, this has been a learning curve for me. What do we do if our students already know? Uh -huh. And the beautiful thing when you have this grade level or this team-based collaboration is we can then take a look at those kids who have established that proficiency level that we want and maybe are progressing beyond. Okay, so what's the next step that we might wanna take those little friends to? So again, it's, it's having been trained in UDL, it's that those staff, those teachers, those specialists that are able to bring all that background knowledge that they have to work together collaboratively for all kids. Oh, this is brilliant. I really appreciate how you have used the Rick to four questions mm -hmm. and intertwined UDL in that conversation. Um, and thank you for expressing that so clearly about how you've linked those two together because you've got four great questions that have helped probably millions of PLC teams over the years, but then you all are using the framework to even 
dig deeper into how you're going to respond to those answers that you're digging up by asking those questions and how you're going to respond via instructionally. So it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, we have definitely hit our 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It is so good. This has been so great, Shannon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, I know. I know. No, I think it's, I think it's great. And I would love to keep going with you too, but, uh, but we'll stop here for our listeners pleasure. Um, and, uh, but we might be coming back again. So I want to thank you really. I just really want to express my thanks to you. Um, when I reached out and you said, yes, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share what uh, the Fond du Lac schools are doing because we are really excited and we're proud of our work and, and we love to share it with others. Wonderful. Wonderful. So for those listening to this podcast, you can find supplemental materials like an image montage with closed captioning, that montage with audio descriptions, a transcript, and an associated blog at my website, which is the udlapproach.com forward slash podcasts. And finally, if you have a story to share about UDL implementation for UDL in 15 minutes, contact me through the udlapproach.com. And thanks to everyone for your work in revolutionizing education through UDL and making it our goal to develop expert learners.